Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning, City Walk Church. Happy Mother's Day. I hope that you've had a great weekend. It was a really fun time yesterday honoring our moms and seeing so many of you there at Steelhouse Coffee. I know Mother's Day is a really special weekend for a lot of people because it gives us an opportunity to honor our moms and just remember why we're thankful for them. But I know for others, Mother's Day weekend isn't a good weekend, and it really, in some cases, is a sad weekend. And so for those of you that maybe you don't look forward to Mother's Day weekend because some of the memories you have of your mom aren't fond memories, Or maybe for you, you've recently lost your mom or you've recently lost a child. Maybe for you, you have been asking God to give you a child and you have struggled with infertility and you've just been praying through and working through that. And and with that and all those different scenarios, Mother's Day weekend isn't always the most exciting weekend for everybody. And so whether this weekend was awesome for you because you were honoring your mom and remembering why you were thankful for her, or whether this weekend has been a tough weekend, we're so thankful for you, and we have taken time this week to pray for you, whether this was a great weekend or this has been a tough weekend. We have prayed specifically that God would encourage you this weekend during Mother's Day. And so I hope that today would be just a reminder of that, that we love you and we are for you, whether this has been a great weekend or whether this has been a weekend that you've just needed somebody to tell you that they love you and encourage you. Uh, In the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic that we've all been a part of now for almost eight, nine weeks, we've we've used our time in a lot of different ways. Uh, For some of you, you have kind of gotten back into some TV shows that you used to watch and you hadn't had an opportunity to watch them. And so you've kind of dove back into those. Maybe you've uh, watched some stuff on Hulu or Netflix. Maybe you've discovered a new show. And for you, man, a show that you hadn't watched ever before, but maybe somebody told you about it and you have found yourself, man, itching to watch that next episode as you've had a little bit more time on your hands For me, one of the shows that I've kind of gotten into over this kind of the last eight weeks is a show called Chicago PD. I started watching this show uh, back in the fall. It's in, I think, season seven. And I watched a few episodes and really liked it. But during this pandemic, I went ahead and went all the way back to season one. And I watched season one to just watch the background and really just see a little bit more about it. And if you've ever watched Chicago PD, you know that it's a show that follows a fictional intelligence unit that's part of the Chicago Police Department. And these this intelligence unit, they go after kind of crimes, big crimes, drug dealers, and they bring criminals in. And it's just it's awesome to watch how they solve mysteries And this intelligence unit, it's led by a man by the name of Hank Voigt. 
And Hank Voigt is just what you would imagine a Chicago intelligence unit, kind of the director of this group, kind of he's the guy that you would imagine for this part. Man, he is a tough cop. He's a guy that, man, if you're his friend, he loves you and is loyal to you. But, man, if you cross him or you're a person that hurts somebody he loves, it's probably not going to go well for you. In fact, there's been several episodes where somebody has hurt someone in his family or they've hurt another police officer. And, Hank, you, you find that he's taken somebody to jail and they never make it to jail they just kind of disappear, if you know what I'm saying. And that's the type of guy Hank is. And he kind of has his own set of standards. And for him, it all makes sense. Because for him, he thinks the bad guy should get what they deserve. And so he kind of follows his own standards and convictions on how that's supposed to take place. Obviously, this guy, Hank Voigt, he's a fictional character. But maybe some of you have dealt with leaders and people in your life that kind of have the same philosophy. In fact, you might even put God in the same category as some of those people. And, and maybe you look at God as a person that he's kind of like the, the principal in the sky and he's looking for you to mess up so that he can give you what you deserve. And maybe that's kind of how you grew up or maybe you aren't haven't been a part of the church, but that's kind of how you picture God. But what's interesting is if you follow Jesus and you read through the Gospels about his life on earth, if you follow Jesus, you find that he treated people in a very unique and different way. He treated people that were his enemies, people that were cruel to him, in a way that was unlike what you might expect. And Jesus never said, if you track through the Gospels, one of the things that Jesus never said is, you get what you deserve. In fact, in the gospel, specifically the one we're going to look at today, the book of Luke, we're going to look at a, a section of scripture where Luke writes about Jesus, and he writes about Jesus as he's being crucified and as he's dealing with people that hate him and are cruel to him, and you see the heart of Jesus come through on how he treats these people that really, if anybody should get what they deserve, it's these people, but Jesus treats them in a unique way that honestly may blow your mind. And Luke chapter 23, and these passages of scripture will be up on the screen, or if you have your app or your Bible there, you can follow along. Jesus, he's, he's on the cross, and if you were to have been there with him while he was being crucified, and if you were to look around the cross, you would see, you would see soldiers. You would see religious leaders that were happy to see Jesus on the cross. You would see some family and some friends there mourning what was happening to Jesus. And, and all this was taking place as Jesus is on the cross. There's this crowd around the cross. And, and then you would look to Jesus and you would see on both sides of him were a cross. And on those crosses were two criminals. People that were evil men, people that were not just ordinary thieves because you didn't get crucified for just being an ordinary thief. I mean, these were bad dudes. And all around Jesus are these people. And you see, as Jesus is on the cross, you, you see Luke kind of bring us into that scene. And you watch how Jesus interacts with people, most of them who hate him and are cruel to him. And so in Luke chapter 23, look with me at this scene right around the cross. It says this, 
In Luke 23, 32, it says, Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Crucifixion was believed to be the worst form of execution because of the pain that it brought physically, but also the public shame that it brought because in most cases, people that were being crucified were being crucified without any clothes on. So the public shame and the pain was terrible. And so imagine the, the picture. Jesus is on the cross. There's these two criminals on crosses next to him. There's all these people around the cross that are kind of watching all this take place. And then all of a sudden from the cross, in the middle of the scene, Jesus begins to speak. And here's what Jesus says in verse 34. It says this, And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. Jesus says he's on the cross. The criminals are there. The people are around the cross. Jesus looks down from the cross at the soldiers who are taking his life. And he says to his heavenly Father, Father, Forgive these people, for they don't understand what they're doing. Jesus gives us a physical example of his own teaching of how we are to love our enemies. And the very act that he was going through, dying on the cross, paying for sin, would become the catalyst to these very people being forgiven. Luke goes on and it says this, And the people stood by watching. But the ruler scoffed or ridiculed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one, the soldiers mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are king of the Jews, save yourself. And so these religious leaders are, are mocking Jesus. These soldiers are taking this, this wine and they're giving it to Jesus and they're, they're pretending to care about Jesus and saying, hey, we, we want to give you something to drink. But really their intention was to give him something to drink to keep him alive longer so they could continue to be cruel to him. So this is taking place all around Jesus. And then it says that there was also an inscription over him. And the inscription said, this is the king of the Jews. And so these soldiers and these religious leaders are mocking Jesus. And I mean, I can only imagine Jesus is on the cross. He's dying for sins. He's paying this heavy price for something he hasn't done. And all these people around him are, to, to make matters worse, they're mocking him. They're making fun of him. But then... One of the dudes, one of the criminals next to him kind of jumps in the mix and starts mocking Jesus. I mean, I, I can imagine some of the soldiers or religious leaders, but man, the criminal on the cross next to him, he kind of jumps in and starts throwing Jesus under the bus and making fun of him. Here's what it says in verse 39. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and save us, buddy. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God? I mean, don't you even respect or revere God? I mean, do you even respect God at all? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed justly, 
for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man, this guy, Jesus, he has done nothing wrong. So one of the criminals is mocking Jesus, while the other criminal on the cross is offended and rebukes the one that's mocking him and basically says, hey, dude, shut up. Like you and I, we're, we're idiots. We're bad guys. We've done a lot of evil things. We're getting what we deserve. This is what, you know, we earned. This is what we deserve. We're kind of in earning this punishment. But this Jesus guy, man, he's getting the same punishment as us, and he hasn't done anything wrong. Even the criminals understood that Jesus didn't deserve what he was getting. And then this is interesting because Jesus has some interaction with the criminal that has rebuked the other criminal for kind of making fun of Jesus. And, and look at verse 42. Here's what it says. And he said, this criminal that has kind of rebuked the other guy for making fun of Jesus, he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what this, this guy who's a criminal, he's moments from his own death, basically what he's saying is, He's making a profession of faith. He's, he's making a plea, but he's also making a profession of faith. He's saying, Jesus, I believe. And when this thing's over, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. I, I know you're the Christ. Remember me. I believe. And Jesus' response to this criminal is astounding. It says this in verse 43, as Jesus responds to this criminal's request, it says, And he, Jesus, said to him, Truly I say to you, too late. You don't have time to clean up enough to have a relationship with me, buddy. It's too late. No, that's not what he said. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, if you can get these soldiers to let you down and so we can baptize you, I can probably sneak you into heaven. No, that's not what Jesus said either. Here's what Jesus really said to that criminal. He says, and he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in heaven. When you, when you think about what Jesus is saying and who he's saying it to, it almost doesn't seem fair. Because this dude has been a bad guy all of his life, and he's now just moments away from his death, and he asked Jesus to save him, and he is about to enter heaven just like the person that has been following Jesus for 70 years before they die, and they're going to both get the same heaven. You say, Chris, are, are you telling me that a guy like Hitler, if he starts a relationship with Jesus in his last breaths on earth, that he's going to get the same heaven that a guy like Billy Graham is going to get? Absolutely. It doesn't make sense. It, it's, it seems astounding. But that's what grace is. Let me illustrate it for you. I want you to pretend if you're an athlete, maybe you ran track and field. I know we have a few track and field people in our church I want you to pretend that we decided, man, once the quarantine's over, we're going to get out and we're going to kind of exercise together. And so one of the things we're going to do is we're going to have a long jump competition and everybody in our church is going to be involved. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to meet in downtown Yuba City 
There's going to be a starting line where you'll jump from, and the, the finish line is going to be in New York City. And so the goal is that you'll, you'll jump from Yuba City, and the goal is you got to get all the way to New York City. You say, okay, that's, that's kind of a big jump, obviously. And if, if you think, okay, how, how far can one person jump? The guy that has the world record for the longest jump is a guy by the name of Mike Powell. And he jumped, and it was a few years ago, he jumped 29 feet, four and a fourth inch. And so, I mean, that's the world record, the best that's ever lived, longest jump. And so, man, you line up and you say, all right, I'll, hey, I'll, I'll be bold, I'll go first. And you run and you jump from the starting line and, man, you do really well. You get 15 feet. And then maybe the best athlete, maybe track coach Matt Lynch, who goes to our, our church, says, hey, let me go. And Matt's, Matt's, he's a track coach. He's probably got this thing down. Matt, he runs up and he, he jumps from the starting line. And man, Matt, he impresses all of us because he jumps 22 feet. Pretty impressive. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter how far you jump. If you're the best athlete in our church, the best athlete in our city, the best athlete in our state, if you're the world record holder, you jumped less than 30 feet. Every single one of us is way short from the goal of New York City. Now apply that spiritually. Maybe the most spiritual person you've ever met, man, if, if their spiritual life was a long jump competition, maybe the most spiritual person in the history of California could jump 30 feet. That's pretty impressive. And then a guy like Hitler, he actually kind of falls over and trips over his own feet at the starting line, and he barely gets a foot. As, as little as Hitler went because his life was terrible and he was an evil guy, and then the most spiritual person that we've ever met in California, he gets 30 feet. Every single one of us is still way short of the goal. Every single one of us is desperate for help. Every single one of us, if we don't get help, has no chance and is hopeless. Paul understood this maybe better than anybody because he was a man who was against Jesus and then was transformed when he started a relationship with Jesus. And he says this as he speaks about that in Ephesians chapter 2. He says this, he says, all of us, and he's talking to Jesus followers, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Paul's saying, you know what? Even the best person in the room, the most holy person in the room, the person that's the nicest person in the city, Every single one of us has disobeyed God. Every single one of us has done things against what God told us to. And every single one of us, and here's Paul's language, is deserving of God's wrath because we've disobeyed him, even if we're the nicest person in our city. See, what we kind of try to do, which is so different than how God sees it, is we actually try to rank sins. And so we have like some acceptable sins, and then we have like the really bad ones. So for you, stealing and lying might be a terrible sin, but gluttony and gossip, you're okay with. And, and, and usually the sins that disgust us aren't the ones we struggle with. 
It's usually the sins of other people that disgust us, and the ones that we struggle with, we kind of manage, and they're okay. They become acceptable. And in our mind, and, and, and just if you're honest with yourself, in our mind, people that struggle with other sins than us deserve punishment. They deserve consequences. And there's something inside of us, if we're honest, that when someone gets a consequence for a sin that, that we think is disgusting or terrible, there's something inside of us that actually almost feels good, like, oh, they got what they had coming. Yet, if we got what we deserved, I mean, if, if all of us got what we really deserved, ultimately, we would live a hopeless life and we would spend an eternity without God in a place called hell. If we got what we ultimately deserved, whether you're the nicest person that goes to City Walk Church or whether you're the like worst person in our city, all of us are deserving of God's wrath because all of us have sinned, all of us have disobeyed God, and that's what Paul was pointing out. But then he says this, which is good news. He says, but because of his great love, we're talking about God's, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions, even when we were dead in sin, he made us alive. By grace, we have been saved. And then a few verses later, Paul says it this way. He says, it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's not your effort. It's on, on your best day, you couldn't earn it. On your longest jump, it wouldn't work. Paul says, it has nothing to do with your effort. It's not of yourselves. It is a gift. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. You didn't and can't earn salvation. It is 100% a gift. That's why Jesus can look at a man who has been evil most of his life, and he can look at that man just moments before he goes out into eternity, and because that man believed in Jesus and who he was, he started a relationship with Jesus moments before his death. He can look at that man and say, today you will be with me in heaven. So the question is, when someone gives you a gift that you can't measure, like Jesus did for you and I, like Jesus did for that man, that criminal on the cross, man, what's our response? Because in our flesh, the scripture says, even on our best day, the best we can bring is filthy rags. That's our best. And if we got what we deserved, we would live a hopeless life and spend an eternity without God. But yet Jesus came because God loved us so much. And, and Jesus came and took what we deserved and gave us what we didn't deserve and couldn't earn. So what is our response to somebody like that who gives us what we don't deserve instead of what we do deserve? Well, if you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you're watching this this morning or you're listening to it on a podcast and you're saying, you know what, Chris, I'm kind of skeptical of the faith. I'm not sure what I really believe. Well, your response to this incredible gift of salvation is just, hey, start a relationship with Jesus. That's a first step. You say, how do I do that, Chris? Right there where you're at. Whether you're in your living room, maybe you're listening to this and while you're running, maybe you're on your front porch 
right where you're at, you can start a relationship with Jesus. It's just between you and God. Just admit to God that you've sinned. Just tell him right in your heart. Say, God, I admit I've disobeyed you. I've sinned. I've broken your commandments. And then just tell him that, man, I believe that Jesus came and died on the cross and rose from the grave for me. And then just invite Jesus. Just tell him, man, today I want to start a relationship with you. Jesus, save me. I want to be like you. And you can do that right where you're at. You can start a relationship with Jesus if you haven't done that. But maybe you're watching this, and I know for many of you, you've already made that decision. You've already started a relationship with Jesus. And it's so easy to forget the sacrifice that Jesus made and sometimes even take it for granted. So what should our response be when we really go back and think about what God has done for us? And it's really two things. The first thing is a grateful heart. When we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made so that he could give us the gift of salvation, it should just bring up within us a grateful heart. Because when we look at our life, and even on the worst day of our life, we know because of what Jesus has done that we have hope. That we have hope today, but we have hope for all of eternity. And so our response should be that we walk through life with a heart that is grateful. But not only a grateful heart, but a, a second way that we can respond is a willing life. And, and here's what I mean by this. Jesus didn't give his life to ruin yours. Sometimes when you, you think about maybe if you, you grew up in a church that was legalistic and you, you thought about what it meant to really follow Jesus and be a Christian, you thought, man, it's like that's going to ruin your life. It's going to be awful. Jesus didn't die on the cross and give his life to ruin yours. He actually died on the cross and gave you what you didn't deserve because he wanted to give you freedom and an abundant life. And so as we look at the sacrifice that he made and we have a grateful heart, it should spur in us a willing life. It should spur in us a, I want to serve you, Jesus, not out of duty, but out of love and gratefulness. I want my life to be about what your life was about because of what you did for me. A willing life. See, it, it's so awesome that when you walk through life and you walk through life in freedom, because you know you're not trying to live for Jesus, but you're allowing Jesus to live his life through you, man, life is anything but boring. And I want you to, as we close, I, I just want you to, to bring you back to that picture on the cross. We described what was around the cross. There were, there, were, there were soldiers, there were friends and family, there were religious leaders that were mocking Jesus. But I want you to imagine being on the cross next to Jesus. And you know for, for yourself, you know you've done terrible things. You know you've done things that probably nobody else knows that are evil. And you are moments before going out into eternity. And as you realize who's next to you and you begin to understand a little bit more about who this Jesus is and something clicks in you and in your mind, you begin to believe in what Jesus has said and what he's claimed to be. And you're literally moments before going out into eternity. And in your mind, you have nothing to lose because, man, you are hopeless. And so you turn to Jesus as you're on the cross and you ask Jesus, Jesus, 
I believe. Jesus, I, I get it. Yes, Jesus, I, I believe who you are. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And you don't know what his response is going to be. You don't know if he's going to turn back at you and say, man, it's too late. Or man, you, you're too bad. You've done too much. But instead of turning to you and mocking you, Jesus turns his bloody, beaten face to you and says, today, you're going to be with me in heaven. Today, you're not going to get what you deserve. I hope that we never lose the picture of that bloody, beaten face that took our punishment for us and looks at us just like he looked at the criminal on the cross next to him and he says, today, you're not going to get what you deserve because I love you too much. I'm going to take what you deserve and I'm going to give you a gift that you could never earn. And may we never forget or lose sight of the value of what Jesus Christ did for us. And may our life be a life that is known for gratefulness. And may our life be a life that is a willing life that's offered freely to God to be used for his kingdom. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for just the sacrifice that you made for us. And Lord, we're, we, if we got what we deserved, we would be hopeless. If we got what we deserved, we would spend an eternity in a place called hell without you. But Lord, we are so thankful that you loved us so much, that you came to earth, that you lived a sinless life, that you died on the cross and you rose from the grave to give us freedom, to give us a gift that we could never earn. And in the quietness of where you're sitting this morning, if this morning you made a decision for Jesus Christ, maybe today you started a relationship with Jesus, would you just today, maybe before you kind of get on with the stuff in your day, would you send us a direct message and just let us know about the decision that you made today? Maybe you're a follower of Jesus that, man, you've lost sight of the sacrifice that Jesus has made for you and you find yourself walking through life a little bit cynical Maybe today the Lord's convicted you and you're, you're going to say, hey, hey, pray for me because I want to walk through life with a grateful heart. I want to walk through life with a willing spirit. And so you direct message us as well and just, just say, hey, pray for me that I will walk through life grateful and willing because of what Jesus did. Lord, thank you for what you've done for us. May we give our lives to you as just a sacrifice that we give willingly because of what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.